Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Network. Uh, this is the List Podcast brought to you by ReliBank and the Man Salon. I am Jeff Turn. And humbled as always to have my main guy, Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, every weeknight with Ian Fitzsimmons on the Worldwide Leader. Buddy, welcome in, man. Glad to have you on my show again. Uh, yeah. It's your face, too, buddy. Yeah, it's always good to hang out with you. And, and now we get a chance to see each other and kind of have a conversation instead of just having a conversation and not seeing each other. Exactly, man. So here's how the show works we come up with lists and we debate them. Now, I try to make them sort of centric to the guest and where they're from. And then right. we have some fun with the top five list in a little bit. But the top 10 list today is going to take us to the top 10 New York City athletes of all time. Now, Freddie, I'm going to tell you, man, I'm, I'm a Midwest guy. Yeah. And, and and I know like usually when it's sort of outside your range, you can just come up with 10 and you'll be okay. I had a struggle with coming up with 10 New York City athletes of all time. Not because there, there wasn't enough. There were just right. too many. Oh, yeah, because when you have that kind of pedigree with New York City and all the great athletes, no matter what sport it's been, you can even go on soccer when the North American Soccer League had Georgia Canal. Yet the, he was able to take over the Cosmos after Pele really got that started. Carlos Beckham, Carlos Alberto, Franz Beckenbrown, all those guys. So when you have a city that has two teams for every sport and they've had their moments of greatness and had their moments of sustained greatness, yeah, it can be very daunting to pick top 10 athletes or 10 of the best athletes over 100 years in the state, in the city of New York. And and I'll tell you, as, as I was going through this, there's a lot of scribbles on my piece of paper because yeah. I, I I sort of notch people in and I'm like, oh, wait a second, I can't leave that person out. And, and my criteria, I felt like sort of changed as I did the list, right? Like, because you yeah. could go all-time winners, you could go individual talent. And then there were some dudes that showed up in New York like late in their career, and all time, they were some of the best. And then there's some other dudes that just had shorter careers in New York. So for you, what was the criteria that you did in regards to your top 10 list? How did you put it together? Sustained greatness and also championships. Those were the two things that factored in. That's why, for example, a guy like Mark Messier didn't make my list, even though he's able to help the New York Rangers break that curse of 1940 when they won the Stanley Cup back in 1994. But he made his name in Edmonton when he was with Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry and Grant Fuhrer and all those guys, Craig McTavish, et cetera. He's always going to have a special place in New York lore for breaking the curse of the New York Rangers, finally ending a 54-year curse of not winning a Stanley Cup. But I kind of eliminated him from my top 10 list because as great as he was for that moment, and also in terms of history when it comes to New York sports, if he had done it as a lifelong Ranger, then he probably makes my list. But he made his name more in Edmonton more than he did for the New York Rangers. All right, so you're going to find out, as you have with doing radio with me, I'll create the argument for my specific answer, and then I'll probably change that argument for someone else. So uh, okay. as we go, I'm going to have you go first, and we'll go 10 through 6, all right? Take us 10 through 6 on your list of top 10 New York City athletes of all time. Well, see, I put a top 10 list together. I don't think I was able to break it down who's number one and who's number two okay. from that standpoint. So, okay. But I'll give you the first five that really jumped off the top of my head. Definitely Derek Jeter. There's no question he's in that top 10 list. Wherever you want to put him at, I'm completely good with that. Another guy I think gets lost in New York sports lore is Mike Bossy, the New York Islanders, because he was the first one. I don't, one even, at 50. Know who that is. I don't oh, even know who that is, Fred. Oh, my goodness. You got to look this guy up. NHL Hall of Famer. When the Islanders had their run, if the Islanders winning four in a row was done by the New York Rangers, we would talk more about that team being one of the greatest teams in the history of sports. But because they played on Strong Island and they were not New York Rangers or the New York Knicks, they get lost. But Mike Bossy was as great of a sniper 
I think he's the greatest hockey player that New York City has ever seen. I think he's better than what Eddie Jockman did in goalie for the New York Rangers as far as that goes. Or uh, Roger Bear, who many consider the greatest New York Ranger. So Mike Bossy is definitely on that list with me. I don't think there's any doubt about it that Dr. J, Jewish Irving, is on that list because without him, there's no ABA-NBA merger. What he did for the New York Nets and winning championships and the NBA was really afraid of him. He made his name in New York, so he definitely makes that part bottom part of the list, quote-unquote. Tom Seaver also makes that list in the New York Mets because we have the Miracle Mets where they started in 1962 and people thought they were not going to be a winning franchise until the 80s. Tom Seaver comes along. They went in the 1969s, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball. So those are some of the guys that have had to rate them from 6 to 10. Those are some of the names that jumped off my list immediately that are among the greatest athletes in New York City. Okay, so I have at number 10. Okay. This one's gonna this one's gonna make a lot of people think I'm drunk already this morning. I got Carmelo Anthony at number 10. And the reason I do is in my lifetime. <laughs> Your face is a key one there. Listen, if I think about 2003 to now, okay. Uh, Carmelo Anthony to me is is one of the best scores the league has seen. Okay. Uh, his defense a little suspect, but like All if right. I go specifically to the Knicks. Okay. Is he the best Nick since Patrick Ewing? It's not even close. He's not the best Nick since Patrick Ewing. I, would, I wouldn't even put Carmelo Anthony in the top five New York Nick of all time because here, here's why. Willis Reed is in that case. Walt okay. Frazier is in that case. Earl Monroe is in that case. Bill Bradley is in that case. Patrick Ewing is you're in that case. Bill Bradley over Carmelo? Easily, because he won two championships. He's one of the greatest college players of all time at Princeton. And if he played on any other basketball team, Jeff, he would average about 20, 25 points a game. But because he was so cognizant of sharing the basketball with players, those great players sacrificed their game and also their numbers so they could win the championship. And that's not to slight Carmelo Anthony. He was really, really outstanding of putting the ball in the basket. But in terms of overall player in the history of the New York Knicks, he's not even a top five Knicks. I would take Charles Oakley over Carmelo oh. Anthony any day of the week because of what he was able to do with those teams in the early 90s. They get him from the Chicago Bulls with Bill Cartwright and make that kind of trade. And they not only literally took that torch away from the Detroit Pistons being a bad boys kind of basketball team, but they were also hunting the Chicago Bulls. And they were able to get the Eastern Conference Finals and also the NBA Finals and had a 3-2 lead over the Houston Rockets before they lost Game 6 and Game 7. So Carmelo Anthony, as terrific as he was with the New York Knicks, let's be honest, he wasn't a winning player. He did have players around him, but there's nowhere he's not even near a top five New York Knicks of all time. Oh my gosh, that's that's me showing my age, and I think some people will think that's Freddie. You you bring it out, Bill Brad. I thought Carmelo Anthony had the greatest freshman season in the history of college basketball. Sign me up for that one, man. Well, I, uh, no, no, I won't debate that at all. I, I'll okay. definitely, I definitely agree with you on that one. You could put Pete Maravich in that category, but that's when freshmen were not playing. And if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a freshman, that would have completely skewed that whole thing because freshmen not allowed to play until in the early 1970s. You can make a case of Kevin Durant, his freshman season at Texas, which was outstanding. Was really but Carmelo, right? But Carmelo Anthony not only doing that, but winning a national championship, the only one that Syracuse has had. You're not going to get an argument from me on that one, the best freshman season in the history of college basketball. I'm with you on that, that one. At number nine, and I got a lot of Yankees on my list, man. Like, my list so is I. just littered with Yankees. But at number nine, I got Lou Gehrig. And I yep. think and some some people, like, back in the day would have argued, hey, he was the best baseball player they ever watched. You know, I think right. Willie Mays is going to be in that conversation. Um, you can talk about Mike Trout and, and so on. But um, I think Lou Gehrig and what his impact was on all those teams that won, you know, the larger-than-life persona that he took on with, with Marilyn Monroe and all that. I mean, Lou Gehrig is right up there. 
uh, with me. Um, at number eight, I have Mariano Rivera. And I think yeah. I think he's one of the greatest closers of all time. And he did it when it mattered the most, and especially in the postseason. I have him at number eight. Any, any squalls with me having Mariano in my top ten? I have him underneath my top ten because the Yankees that I have above him, you mentioned Lou Gehrig, I have him above him. I have Joe DiMaggio above him. I have Mickey Mantle above him. I have Babe Ruth above him. I have Derek Jeter above him. And that's not sliding Mariano Rivera. You're right. He did it with one pitch. A lot of people as closers have three or four pitches that could not even come close to Mariano Rivera. You're exactly right. What he it was able to do what matters. But I guess I skew to more everyday players sure. that are baseball players that make my yeah. list. Yeah. And I mean, the only one that did that made my list not everyday players, Tom Seaver, but he was just a generational kind of pitcher. And what he's able to do for the New York Mets, making them mad when nobody thought that was going to happen. Like I said, that's not the mean to cast the Spurs and Mariano Rivera. For my money, he's the greatest closer of all time. There's no doubt about that. You can give me anybody else, and I'll take my chances with the Panamanian flamethrower from, from that era, and especially helping the Yankees become great again in the late 90s and into the 2000s, what he was able to do. But I don't have a, a problem with him being your top 10 list. You could definitely make a case for that, no doubt about that. Uh, he's Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, every weeknight with Ian Fett Simmons. Uh, number seven, I have Tom Seaver, and I, I wanted to ask you this because I've – I've only really come to appreciate the greatness of Tom Seaver probably over like the last five years. They did a great piece yep. on MLB Network about Tom Seaver's life and his career. And I watched it and I was like just blown away that I didn't know more about him prior to that. Is Tom Seaver the best pitcher ever in New York City? Boy, that's a really good question. I, I would say yes, because I think the only one They'll probably come close to him other than Mariano Rivera as a close. I'll give you two names. Andy Pettit was really outstanding for the New York Yankees. I think he gets lost because of the fact that he wasn't Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, and those guys, Roger Clemens, for example, and also because of the scandal with steroids, even though he said, I did. I think he gets lost as far as that goes. But another guy may have been the best big game pitcher in New York history is Whitey Ford of the New York Yankees. Anytime they needed him to deliver in the 40s and 50s, he was able to do that. You look at his postseason record, and it's completely unbelievable match when it comes to New York pitchers and when it comes to Whitey Ford. So he's the best big game pitcher, in my opinion, in the history of New York baseball. But in terms of overall pitching, yeah, I'm with with Tom Seaver because not only was able to win over 300 games, but he struck out a lot of guys. He had a low ERA and he was the leader of that New York Mets baseball team, but he did it in a very understated but very commanding way. We talk about Derek Jeter being that kind of captain with the New York Yankees. He had a precursor when it comes to Tom Seaver, especially when the Yankees have had that winning success and Jeter helped to revitalize that. The Mets didn't have any kind of winning success and Tom Seaver made that happen when they went to the World Series and won it in 1969 and scared the Oakland Athletics to death in 1973. This is the List Podcast brought to you by our good friends at Rely Bank, multiple locations in the area. Hartford T. Humboldt right here in Sioux Falls, out there in T as well. Uh, relybank.com. That is Freddie Coleman. I'm Jeff. Turn the list podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and on YouTube. At number six, I got Patrick Ewing. And, okay. and again, I, I don't have I don't have any other New York Knicks on my list. It's because okay. I was born in 85. And sure. so, like I, I say this so often, sports really didn't happen before 85, unless right. I have to do lists because then I know that sports ha- but like Patrick Ewing, when I think of the Knicks, yeah, I don't think of Willis Reed and I don't think of any of those other names that you mentioned. Walt Frazier, because I grew up yeah. watching Ewing and the Bulls. And so right. I, I put Ewing at number six on my list. And I just thought his impact year in and year out, it was just amazing. I wish he never played for the Seattle Supersonics at the Amen. end. I just wish he ended at the Knicks. But yeah. when I think of the Knicks, I think of Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and that's understandable. But I've had the benefit of seeing 
the New York Knicks a little bit longer than you. To me, the yeah. greatest New York Knicks of all time is Walt Frazier. I don't think there's any doubt about that. What he was able to do, helping them win championships in 1970, 1973, and lost in that Willis-Reed game where he comes out of the tunnel in 1970 and beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Walt Frazier may have had one of the greatest game sevens in the history of basketball with 36 points, 19 rebounds, and seven assists. He just dominated a Lakers team. That had three Hall of Famers, really four, uh, three Hall of Famers on that side when you had Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, and also Jerry West. And he went out there. He's the best player on the floor. So for my money, Patrick Ewing's a top five all-time all New York Knicks, maybe even top three in my opinion. But I think the greatest New York Knicks is Walt Frazier because of what he's able to do at both ends of the floor where he leveled off opposing guards. And so many different guards he had to guard throughout that years, throughout those years. John Howard took it to Boston Celtics, for example. Earl Monroe before the Baltimore Bullets traded him to the New York Knicks. But Walt Frazier, to me, is the greatest New York Knicks. I, I think Patrick Ewing suffers because he never had a supporting cast, not only like his peers, Jeff, when he played for the New York Knicks from 1985 on, but he didn't even have the half of the supporting cast that Walt Frazier had when he was surrounded by those Hall of Famers. You put Ewing on those basketball teams, and I think he becomes more of a mythic figure not just in New York basketball, but maybe in the NBA. All right, you think you had issues with my number 10 selection? Wait till you get to number five. But all right, okay. list, off, list off what you have left as far as athletes that we haven't mentioned, top 10 New York New York uh, City athletes of all time. Well, Babe Ruth definitely is in there. There's no doubt about that. He's I, top was, five, right? Like yeah, He may be number one because, okay. in my opinion, no one changed baseball like that to that level when he was out homering teams in the dead ball era when Babe Ruth got it going where he was more popular than anybody, not just athletes. I'm talking about anybody in the United States and playing for the New York Yankees definitely helped his name. We still talk about Ruthian numbers compared to people. We don't do that with other great players like Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or even with the steroids that have been associated with Barry Bonds. We still talk about numbers connected to Babe Ruth and that's not going to change in Major League Baseball 500 years from now. We're still going to talk about Babe Ruth. So he's definitely on my list as far as that goes. I mentioned Derek Jeter. He's a top five athlete, in my opinion, in New York. I think Mickey Mantle, I think, gets a little bit lost because he was after Joe DiMaggio and he was before the Yankees got it going again in the 70s with Reggie Jackson, the free agency, and then in the 90s when they had the revitalization with Derek Jeter and all those guys. But Mickey Mantle, I started to think, Jeff, what his numbers would be if he had taken care of his body a lot better. I go back to what he said at the end of his life. He said, if I had known I was going to live this long, I'd have done a lot better taking care of myself. And he still almost hit 600 home runs, which is right. unconscionable what he was able to do, not taking care of his body. So that's another athlete I think that gets lost. I almost put Joe Namath in my top five, but I'm not going to do that in terms of, I'm not going to minimize what he did. He made the AFL matter. They beat the Baltimore coach. Many people thought that was not going to happen the New York Jets in Super Bowl three. But I'll give you another football player that's a part of, part of my list, and that's Lawrence Taylor, the New York Giants. In my lifetime, I think he's the greatest football player I've ever seen. I didn't have a chance to see Jim Brown at his height. I didn't see Otto Graham at his at hit the height of his powers. But I remember Lawrence Taylor got drafted in 1981, and the first game I saw, I said, boy, that guy's going to terrorize that division for the next 10 to 12 years. And he definitely did that where teams had to game plan against him. The Washington then Redskins invented an offense to make sure to take care of Lawrence Taylor. That has not been done before or since. And that's why I think he's the greatest football player that's played in the history of New York City. And he's definitely a top five athlete, in my opinion, in New York City athletes. He's Freddie Coleman. I am Chaff Turn. This is the List Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe there. All right, I, I'm, I'm with you on LT, and I'm going to get to him in a second. And, and you mentioned some names that were sort of on the outside for me, DiMaggio, Mantle. I mean, damn, you could go through those 90s. I mean, Roger Clemens, to me, on the outside looking, but just dominant during his day. 
Sure. Andy Pettit was there as well. Yep. Um, but at number five, and and okay. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna I'm gonna have amnesia to okay. to the controversy of this individual because okay. in my lifetime, other than Mike Trout, I think this is the best baseball player to ever walk the earth in okay. my lifetime since 1985. All right. Alex Rodriguez is number five on my list. You can make it you can make a case for him. You you yeah, really can. Because his time in Seattle. And even in Texas, before any of the stuff came up with steroids in in, yep. New, in New York, greatest baseball player ever seen, reset the market from a financial standpoint, could sure. play third, could play short, and had all the power. Shortstops didn't have the power, right? Like we started to see that power with Nomar and some of those guys into the 90s, and who knows how much of that was, was steroids or whatever. But, man, listen, sure. Alex Rodriguez to me, well, and, and the fact that he ended up playing third and not shortstop because of Jeter – I yeah. think, you know, change sort of the perspective because at shortstop, you're just sort of the, the key on the field other than the pitcher. Alex Rodriguez to me, and I so wish that that wasn't a part of his career because it's going to probably keep him out of the Hall of Fame at least until the senior committee puts him in. But A-Rod to me, man, is like outside of Mike Trout, he's like the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. It's funny you mentioned that because I look at Alex Rodriguez and a lot of people will know him from the New York Yankees, even though he had better seasons with Seattle and Texas before he made his way to the New York Yankees. But when you play the pins, you have the pinstripes on your back and on your front, that's going to elevate you or it could deflate you depending on how you don't survive that whole culture that is playing for that organization in that city. I didn't have in my top 10. If anything, I can make a better case for like Willie Mays, for example, when he played the New York Giants before he moved to San Francisco. I can make a better case for him. I can make a better case for Jackie Robinson when he played with the Brooklyn oh, Dodgers Jackie, before, they yeah. Moved to, yeah. Yeah, before they moved to the Los Angeles Dodgers. People talk about him being a pioneer in terms of breaking the modern-day color barrier in the 1940s. But Jackie Robinson was an MVP, and Jackie Robinson is a multiple gold, gold glove winner. He could definitely ball. I can make better cases for them, but I'm, I'm not against your case, Alex Rodriguez, because when he got to the New York Yankees, we really start to see that even though a lot of that was probably performance-enhancing induced when it comes to Alex Rodriguez. All right, man. At number four is a name you mentioned right off the top, and and I know you, you mentioned a, a piece that was a struggle for me to put him in my top five, but the reason I did was because of the winning, breaking the curse, and he was damn good when he was there, is Mark Messier with the New York, with the New York Rangers, man. I mean, when I, again, sort of, from some of this, like I said, when I think of the Yankees, I think of someone that I have at number two and number three. And then I think of the Knicks, I think of Ewing. And when I think of the Mets, I think of Tom Seaver. When I think of the Rangers, I think of Mark Messier, and I have him at number four. And a lot of people will agree with you because of what he did in 1994. I mean, think about it. Wayne Gretzky came after Mark Messier. And people forget that Wayne Gretzky ended his career as a New York Ranger. That shows exactly right. what kind of impact Mark Messier is always going to have. And it was really funny, Jeff, you mentioned his name because I remember talking with him when he had just retired and we're talking about the NHL and everything like that. He could not have been more genuine. You felt like that you wanted to go out there and put him on skates and skate with him all over again. That's the kind of intensity. And he's so good on TV now where he's not afraid to have fun. He does a great job bouncing up P.K. Subban where they have that little back and forth. But his hockey knowledge and his understanding of the game and his recall is just ridiculous. He can go back to specific shifts during that year when the Rangers went in 1994 and tell exactly not only what they were doing as a team, but what the opponent was doing and how he, they were able to combat that. So I don't have a problem with that, with that young, with that man making your list because even if that for that one year, that's more than enough the other other hockey players been able to do with the New York Rangers throughout their storied history. All right, so at number three, you said everything I need to say about this guy, Babe Ruth. Um, I mean, there's nothing else that I can say about it. And I think, 
You know, Freddie, I always dog sometimes on some of the old players. You know, they were plumbers. They were, you know, they were doing other jobs, you know. So, like, how hard was it to hit off the guy that was moonlighting as a plumber? Like, whatever. But Babe Ruth was on a different stratosphere. And there's certain athletes over the years that I think we all could agree that would transcend the sport, right? Like, I yep. think we all could agree Pete Maravich could ball out in today's game. I think we all could agree Willie Mays could ball out in today's game. And I think Babe Ruth, man, if think of Babe Ruth as a DH, man, I mean, he's, oh the, my God. he's the pre, he's the pre Shohei Ohtani, right? Like we, 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 we kind of take Ohtani for granted, but it's like it hasn't happened since Babe Ruth, and it's Babe Ruth and Ohtani, and they're like in one little group together, and that's why I have Babe Ruth at number three. At number two, okay, and and I, this is the one where again, it's it's more about winning than it is maybe about individual talent. I have Derek Jeter at number two. I, I, I just think. Yeah, I just think when you win so much, the point of the game is to win championships. And you're not going to go down as, as the top shortstop of all time. But you're going to go down in most people's books as the top Yankee of all time or right there with Babe Ruth. And that says something about what you meant to that city and what you meant to those pinstripes. To me, I think Derek Jeter is the most clutch baseball player we've seen the last 50 years. 100%. You, give me, you give me him in any situation. I don't care if it's defense. I don't care if it's offense. You're exactly right. There are other shortstops that have more talent. He played next to a guy that they moved to third base named Alex Rodriguez. There's no doubt his talent level at shortstop, Derek Jeter could not compare. But how many times in clutch moments did we see Derek Jeter always in the middle of it, keeping a team from being clutch against him? The flip throw against the Oakland Athletics in that AL Divisional Series when Oakland Athletics had the home field advantage, or the home run that he, the home run that he hit to set off the New York Mets in that World Series to get things started in that World Series. Anytime there seemed to be a clutch moment that was happening, he always seemed to be in the middle of it and always had a great success rate when it comes to that. You give me any other athlete in New York in the last 50, even 60 years, and nobody has been as clutch as that. Nobody was able to do those kind of things where even in a meaningless game in August, he would come with a clutch moment and save the day for the New York Yankees. He always had that gene in him, that professional gene, that mindful gene that when the moment got that hot, it was never too hot for him. It must be. It must have been wonderful to be Derek Jeter. When everything's going 100 miles an hour, and he saw the world through patient eyes, going 55 miles an hour, and able to make the right play, be in the right position, time and time again. Yeah, you're right, man. And even in a meaningless game at the end of his career, which it didn't have postseason implications and ultimately a championship online. Freddie, I've been brought to tears a couple of times watching sports, and I was watching that, and I, I was, I was just, I couldn't believe. I mean, I think there had to be like a. There was a walk. Somebody was safe at second. It had to set yep. up so uniquely. And then he gets the walk-off hit. It was like on a different yep. level. And, and it just – it brought me to emotions because I'd seen it so many times, and I got to see it one more time. It's like when yep. Tiger won the Masters. I got to see it one more time. I may never see it again, and it felt like maybe that was the last time I'd ever see it. And I'll, I'll never forget watching that, standing there in my bedroom. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not even a Yankees fan, man. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm watching. He gets to walk it off one more time. And then at number one – you brought his name up already. I, I didn't get to see him throughout the 80s. I got to see him early in the 90s, and I got to see him win a world championship against the Buffalo Bills. But Lawrence Taylor, man, I mean, like, go back, all you children out there, all you yep. people under the age of 30, YouTube Lawrence Taylor highlights, and you're going to walk away going, oh, my God. I recently did that because I'm a LeBron guy over Jordan, but just slightly because growing up I was a Jordan guy. But sure. I sat down with my 8-year-old son the other night as we were – waiting for the draft lottery to unfold because we were watching Wimbenyana highlights and we're like, oh, this guy's going to be our next favorite player after LeBron retires. And then I said, and, you know, at school, everybody debates Jordan and LeBron. So I had him watch Jordan highlights with me and my eight-year-old son was just captivated by it, man. Like, right. and, and, and if you do that with Lawrence Taylor, 
no matter who you thought was the greatest defensive player of your lifetime or even the greatest football player of your lifetime, you're going to move Lawrence Taylor higher up on your list based on just watching those highlights. Man, he was he was an absolute monster out there. Here's the genius of Lawrence Taylor in terms of this context. You never hear somebody looking for the next Joe Montana. You never hear somebody looking for the next Walter Payton. You never hear somebody looking for the next Anthony Munoz. You never hear somebody looking for the next Ronnie Lott. Everybody's always looking for the next Lawrence Taylor. That's been going on ever since he retired from the National Football League. I can't tell you how many times that a Derek Thomas, or all these other pass rushers. David Clowney, like you've heard the name. David Clowney, yeah, Von Miller. And say, oh, man, yeah. that guy reminds me of you-know-who who wore number 56 for the New York Giants. And I'll never forget one of the greatest games he ever had. The strike year of 1987 happened in the NFL. They walked out. And about a week before all the players came back and played, Lawrence Taylor decided to play in a game for the New York Giants. I think they were playing the Buffalo Bills. Don't hold me to that. But I think that was the case. And he's playing with a bunch of plumbers and carpenters and guys who are going to be working the target that next day when the NFL players were coming back. You would have never thought that Lawrence Taylor was out of shape. He was out there running around, having the time of his life, making plays and instructing guys, say, this is why I do this. This is why I do that and everything like that. I said, I don't care what anybody has to say about him. And believe me, fair and unfair, there's been some low lights in his life outside of the NFL. But no one could ever question his passion and his joy and his love for the game. He had no business being out there. He could have got seriously hurt. That would have been the end of his career. He didn't care. He loved to play football so much. He went out there, and I guarantee he's probably going at 50%. And probably, thank God, he killed the guy. He had killed guys out there if that was the case. But anytime I saw Lawrence Taylor, I saw a guy that always was committed. He never cheated the game, just like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter never cheated the game. It could have been August 1st, could have been September 1st, could have been October 1st. He never cheated the game. Same thing with Lawrence Taylor, because they say even in practice, he treated every practice as if it was a Super Bowl and every preseason game like it was a Super Bowl. That tells me all I need to know about Lawrence Taylor and his greatness. Only more on the football field, of course, that off the field stuff. I'm glad he finally got his life in order just a little bit more as he's gotten older and older in his life. Yeah, no doubt, man. And hopefully many people that are younger than you and I can continue to appreciate his greatness via those YouTube clips and all the damage he did on football fields. Those are our top 10 New York City athletes of all time. This is the List Podcast brought to you by ReliBank and The Man Salon, themansalon.net. Get your haircut. I don't get my haircut every day, but when I do, I go to the man slot. All right, Freddie, let's get to some summer activities because this is the fun part of the show too. And it's interesting because I think every part of the country, you live up in the Northwest, you do certain things in the summer, live down in South Beach, you do certain things in the summer, you live up in Lake Country and, you know, Michigan and Minnesota, North, Northeast, you may do different things, Midwest. And so I'm interested to see what your top five summer activities are. Give me your first three. My first three, definitely barbecuing. There's no doubt about that. Hanging out with my mom and dad or hanging out with my wife, Denise. Anytime or somebody invites us to a barbecue, anytime you got the smell of a barbecue and you got the beverages and the conversation going, that's definitely in my top three. Going to a drive-in movie is definitely a summer thing. I love it. We have a couple... Oh, they have a couple of those not too far away in here really? where I live in Connecticut and also where I used to live at in upstate New York in Hyde Park, New York, and also Poughkeepsie, New York, Hyde Park Drive-In and the Overlook Drive-In where they show current movies. And it's just a blast. It just takes me back to my childhood days when drive-in movies were the thing growing up in New York. And they had one at Green Acres Mall, which is now a mall now, right there on the Long Island, Queens board. And I used to go there all the time, my mom and dad. So drive-in movies, definitely my top three. And also taking a summer drive my wife, Denise. We 
will just get in the car and we don't put on the GPS. We just go and just enjoy the day. And wherever we land is wherever we land. And I can't tell you how many times, Jeff, we wound up somewhere that could have been literally right around the corner from my house. We took a roundabout way to get there, not realizing it was there. So those three things, barbecue, driving movies and taking a drive, my wife, Denise, are definitely my top three. All right, we'll get you two more from me here in a second. I got five of them as well. At number five, it's going to the ice ice cream shop, man, and getting some ice cream. And with my kids, uh, you know, they always want to go. You know, they put a Dairy Queen two blocks from my house now. So I mean, that's not a good thing, dude, man. I'm telling you, my waistline, (laughs) my waistline has not been benefiting from that. And there's Uh something called the Milky Way uh, in Sioux Falls, where where there's like four or five locations. And as okay. a kid, I used to walk two or three blocks there with whatever change I had left. I'd go get yeah. a dollar movie, a Lewis drug. I'd go over to the Milky Way, get some ice cream and a hot dog and head on back to the duplex and watch the stuff, man. So getting ice cream, top five. Number four on my list is going to a baseball game. We got minor yep. league baseball here in Sioux Falls. Yep. Love driving up to Minneapolis and going to a Twins game at Target Field. Uh, I'm not a guy that likes to go to baseball games early in the spring or late in the fall. Because I want to roof on it. I ain't trying to freeze my tookus out while I'm out there. But you put me there when it's 75, 80, I can have a beer. My kids can run around. Absolutely love it. That's number four. I like to do a little golf too, Freddie. I got okay. golf at number three on my list. I used to play a lot more. Now I just get out with like the best ball stuff where they only need to use my, my shot about once every four holes. And so I get out there. I'll grip it and rip it. Just the camaraderie, the fun of it. I don't go out and golf by, my, by myself. My eight-year-old loves to golf. He's a lefty, so it's a great-looking swing. And so uh, we'll be doing a lot more golf. But I got ice cream, baseball games, and golf at number three. What are two more that you like to do in the summer, man? Going to county fairs. And my wife and I love doing that, just walking around and getting some cotton candy and seeing the rides. We've been able to go to more than a couple of county fairs, a couple of them in Maryland. We go to the one, the Dutchess County Fair that happens in upstate New York. They have one called the Big E, which is in Massachusetts, about 45 minutes from here outside of Springfield, Massachusetts. So we love going to different county fairs. Even like over the animal stuff or you stay away from them? Nah, the animals, it depends on what the animal is. For example, <laughs> if there's an elephant nearby, I'm going over there. If there's anything else, you know, I'm good as far as that goes. So we're not really animal state fair people. We kind of stay away from that. Yeah. The smell alone will drive you oh, away. God. You don't want that I'm at all. Man, exactly. Out. So I'm out as far as that goes. And you mentioned minor league baseball, and that's something that my wife and I love to do. We have the Hartford Yard Goats, which has really become a boon to the area in Hartford, which is about 20 minutes from me where I live. But also when it comes to minor league baseball, the Hudson Valley Renegades in Dutchess County. They play in Fishkill, New York. It's a really cool ballpark. They've now upgraded the double-A baseball. Rick Zolz is a public address announcer. He and I have been friends for over 30 years, and he does a great job getting fan involvement. I love Major League Baseball. I'm going to Major League game, but if you give me a chance to go to a minor league game and the food's always cheaper, the yep. people always better, and everybody's having a great time, you and I are in the same mind when it comes to minor league baseball in the summertime. And here in Sioux Falls at the Canaries games, they got something called the berm. Well, basically, it's just grass and it's fenced in, and I can right. let my kids roam, and nobody's getting in trouble, and no, no ushers are telling them to sit down. So I absolutely love that. All right, at number two on my list okay. is fishing. Okay, so okay, I I, I, uh, yeah. I don't own a boat. I got a buddy, Ted Takasaki. He's a professional fisherman. He owns a hundred thousand dollar boat, Freddie. Okay, he wow. gets a new one every year from Lund. And then he sells it at the end of the year, and that's his compensation from Lund as a professional fisherman, right? Okay. Well, I love him to death, but I think he's crazy because he lets me take this boat out three or four times a year. 
And I get to go over Memorial Day. I'll have the boat for five days. He leaves all his poles and his lures and everything on it. I mean, it's got a motor the size of like an engine in a car. Like It's just this monster thing. But I get to take the kids out. I don't have to own a boat. I don't have to put insurance on a boat. I just have to fill it up and get it detailed once a year for him. And that's all I have to do. So I love fishing even more that I don't have to maintain a boat to go fishing as well. So I'm up there fishing at number two. You like to do a little fishing, don't you? Oh, I, I mean, I used to do it every summer as a kid because my dad had a friend of his where he had a place out on Montauk Point in Long Island. So every summer for about five years, my dad and I would go hang out with him for more than a weekend. And believe me, just being out there in the boat and having a chance to hang out with my dad and hang out with his friend and his family as well is something that I'll never forget. And when I lived in Portland, Maine for two years, and you're always surrounded by water there, I can't tell how many times that fans of our radio station they had people that they knew that had boats oh you gotta come hang out with us on the saturday come hang out with us on the sunday and we never refused those kind of invitations we're <laughs> yeah, like we're not right. crazy to do that and just getting close to people and having that kind of camaraderie and having a great day of fishing so yeah fishing i haven't done it in a minute i'm gonna try to fix that sooner than later but a good day fishing is better than a good day of working absolutely man and number one for me and I actually like the first part of this more than the second part, but because my wife isn't a fan of the first part as much as the second part, I tend to go to the second part. But water parks and pools, man. Like, yeah. you put me in some water. I, you know I live in South Dakota. Usually the water's frozen, right? Like, we right. Can't, it's freezing. Yep. It's coming down in snow form. So if I can get out to a pool or water park. Now, I love the water parks. My wife does it because she has to chase the kids all around. Right. And, you know, it's a little bit harder to, to kind of keep them in, in, in one area. But we like to go to the pool as well. Um, I, I am a, I am a guy that loves that in the summer and, you know, I'll go from, you know, late May till early September and, and I enjoy it so much because the rest of the year I'm usually freezing my took is off. So I absolutely love the water park in the pool. When was the last time Freddie Coleman went down a water slide? Oh, well, the last time was not too long ago at the Big E where they have a water slide. But the best water slide I was ever on, they used to have a water park in Conway, New Hampshire. When I worked in Portland, Maine for two years, and we used to have events there all the time. We would literally have like have radio station buses where people win tickets to be on the bus to go to this water park in Conway, New Hampshire. And it's not there anymore. But they had this water slide, Jeff, that literally from top to bottom must have covered at least 800 feet. And if you were in a tunnel... And it would come out and everything, and you just never know where you're going to go, but you couldn't see. But it was a blast. They could, they lived to like keep me from getting on that ride constantly. And I'm, I'm a swimmer, but not a great swimmer. I didn't care if I drowned if I come out of the end of that thing. <laughs> it was one of the coolest water parks that I ever been to. I and mean, I see water parks now. I, it takes me back to those days when I lived up in Portland, Maine for two years, and we would go to Conway, New Hampshire, all the time in those two summers that I worked up there. Still one of the best water parks that I've ever been to. All right, summer right around the corner. All those activities are great. I love me a good barbecue as well, man. I never turned down good food in my entire life. He's Freddie Coleman. You can check him out on ESPN Radio every weeknight with Ian Fitzsimmons. The List Podcast, of course, brought to you by Rely Bank and the Man Salon. Get that fresh dew for the summer. Man Salon, mansalon.net here in the 605. Uh, Freddie, as always, man, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to see your face. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as another page just turned here on the List Podcast. We appreciate it, dude. My pleasure. Always great hanging out with you, Jeff. And definitely you're going to knock this out, continue to knock it out. So I can't wait to do this again with you sooner than soon. Awesome, buddy. Thanks, man.